Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I had a huge epiphany today, and I'm going to share it with you, but in question form. Why do you think things end? Like things that are good, relationships, job opportunities, friendships, E or the above. Why do you think that it ends? You want me to let you on on my epiphany? Okay, calm down because you you doing the most. Just give me a minute. I'm trying to, you know, give you a little sprint, if you will. I believe that things end that are within God's will for your life because of the way that you or another person values it. Mm-hmm. You ever see people who go thrift shopping? I don't know, maybe on your social media platform of choice. And they find these amazing brands and artifacts and all these for the low, low. And it's like, yo, if somebody knew truly how much this was, it would not be in the thrift store. If someone truly understood the value, like this is real cashmere. Like they sell this at a upscale store for this much. Like it's to the point I'm getting ready to take this and flip it. Like I'm getting ready to make a living off of what you just bought to the Goodwill or to whatever the, you know, the thrift store of choice is like you didn't understand the value of this. So you allowed someone else to undermine it and put it under the value that it's worth. I had an epiphany. Sitting there, mind blown, I said, okay, time out. Now, I'm just going to talk about the workplace for like five seconds. And my five seconds is Eastern Russian time. And I made up that time zone because I get to make up the time span on that. I feel as if leadership at times can be too far removed in order to connect to the people that are in different hierarchies, which then makes retention difficult, which then has results in a high turnover. And essentially people create a culture that is either toxic or whatever it is that is just unfruitful for people to truly grow and stay, right? If you were to ask anyone that is leaving the job, which should be done in an exit interview, but I digress. Why is it that you're leaving? Outside of just a personal reason, you know, relocating, getting married, whatever, outside of just truly personal preferences and changes that occur with that, it is usually scaled back to feeling undervalued. I didn't have enough help. I didn't get along with such and such. I tried to voice it. Nothing was done. I'm not getting enough pay. I'm not getting enough recognition. I'm not getting, there was something that if we can just go ahead and scale all the way back, it is reduced to feeling and just undervalued. Let's just go ahead and just be real, right? And I said to myself, okay, because I believe that if God allows you to see something, it's because he either wants you to change it or he wants you to remember it because where he's taking you, you'll have a chance to do it differently. 
And so I'm starting to see a lot of different things that are really revving me up. But for whatever the reason, I was confused. Like, God, why are you showing me this? Because I can't do nothing from the current state that I'm in now. And it was because I said a prayer some time ago that still stands true to this day. I said, I always want to remember the seat so that when I get to the stage, I know how to perform. I know what it feels like to be overqualified for a seat. So when I get in a position to be able to to promote that kind of person, I know how to do so. I know when to do so. I will understand the value in valuing the people that serve me and serve them with what I can only do, which is increase them. Where you add value, there should be increase. It's a spiritual principle and it should be so. Where a person adds value, things should be added onto them. So if someone is in a position to bless someone with either a title, with either finances, with either some type of recognition that shows you added to this environment, to this seat, to this title. And now that I am in a place in a position of power to be able to add on to you, I'm adding this onto you because I'm doing so not just because I can, but because I'm letting you know in a stamped mark way, I see the value in you. I really thought about it. I said, you know, so many times it, it's just a thing where people feel like, oh, they don't understand how hard I work. And I think that that may have some truth to it. But more than that, let's just say the CEO has never met the janitor, right? You shouldn't have been a janitor at some point in order to know, okay, this is how a janitor feels. This is all that a janitor has to deal with on a day-to-day basis. So because of the experience and the information that I have, I'm going to bless a janitor. What happens when you're in a seat of power, a position of power, but you don't truly know what that seat feels like? Are you just going to have a deficit because you don't have the experience? No. What you do is you then go ahead and have a tally of the person that was there a position or two ago and compare. That is how you know value. You don't have to have been the store manager at the particular store that you frequent. But if new management took over and new management kind of brought some things to play and you were like, man, it's better now. It should be obvious that, oh, my goodness, this is actually better (laughs) compared to the last group of fill in the blank. Right. If you were to go ahead and go to a store and or restaurant and you eat something, you're like, oh, my Did y'all change chefs? You don't have to have cooked that meal yourself at home to know I've ordered this before, but it tastes better. Who's back there? Because they're adding value to this plate. And so I feel like people don't do that in their personal lives enough. They don't do it in their professional lives enough. And I think that that's the true reason why things end. Truly and truly. In places of professional establishments, You only lose great employees because you did not acknowledge their value. For some reason, you thought that someone who is dependable, reliable, and does their work, doesn't cause any toxic situations, has tact, customer service, E or the above. For some reason, the way that you're responding to that person, you thought that that comes dime a dozen. 
You thought somebody who has more sick days <laughs> than uh, the numbers of the year, you just thought, oh, okay, that's regular. And it, that has to be the assumption because why else would you treat someone so reliable as if you can go ahead and call a temp agency and get that same kind of situation, that cut and paste situation. My thing is it should be to the point that people feel so valued that you let it be known through your actions, your behaviors, or your words. I see you, and I know that no one else can do this the way that you do. There is something about someone knowing you see my value that makes them do what? Add more value. Hmm? You will be surprised that when you pour into someone that they have no, it's almost like math. You pour into them. Guess what? When they overflow with gratitude and appreciation, then some of that saturation goes right back into their position. When you put more gas in your car, what happens? You're able to go further, huh? When you put more, when you treat your car the way that you're supposed to, you're able to get more life from it. When you put more food in your refrigerator, you're able to cook more meals. When you add more to the establishment and the people that keep your establishment together, you then show them I see your value so your establishment becomes more fruitful do you not understand persons of power and positions thereof that you are not getting what you should be getting from people because you are not pouring the way you were supposed to be pouring I don't know why that is something that is not known and I almost wanted to be real upset with the professionalism until I realized yo it's done in personal relationships intimate relationships Sir, did you think that, uh, and ma'am, you too, because don't get, uh, did you think that monogamy just comes dime a dozen? <laughs> did you think that people who say they're going to be somewhere actually go there, then come back home and do like really, like you may have called it a square or they're boring, but it's called consistency. Hmm. I saw two videos this week and I was blown away. I'm like, people just don't understand the value of uh, just true, authentic people. One video, this woman was going through a drive-thru and the guy, I guess he was a manager. I don't know. He had a headset on. So let's just, that's somebody's grandbaby. And he was taking the order and she was taping and she was like, Ooh, she touched his hand. She was like, you soft. And he was like, <laughs> you know, cause he was a little, you know, on the, fluffier side of life and and you know what and he's somebody's good grandbaby and that's okay and so you know they doing a little flirting thing and then she went ahead and asked the following she said you married he said uh, yeah her next statement was you cheat and he was like uh-huh and she was like so I'm saying what's up he was like why don't you come on in the side we can have a conversation and I felt vomit coming forward and making thyself known. Oh my gosh, ma'am. Did you just ask them that? But more, more importantly, sir, what'd you say? I'm sorry. You said yes. Oh, okay. That's embarrassing. Which led me to remembering another, uh, I think it was like a TikTok video where this girl went to Miami and she was like, help TikTok. I need you to do what you do best. Uh, I gave this dude my number or he asked me for my number and I was too lit, AKA drunk or whatever. And um, if you could just help me find him and guess what? Uh, the social medias did exactly what the social medias do. And guess what? They found married buddy. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And had his wife, well, her edges done. Shouts out to the grandbaby that did her hair. Uh, and was like, you know, we had a hard time, and we have to. We, we're going to counseling. We view that name of Jesus. They're going through counseling, and it was like that should have made every married person who has a consistent, reliable you move in a way that doesn't bring shame and and disgust and different kind of negative emotions to my soul that you don't you make it a privilege and an honor to carry your last name that should have made every woman go back and look at her husband like (laughs) come out bring that like, you understand? I mean, I hate it. You know, bleep me out or whatever. But do you see what I'm saying? You should have been like, listen, I, we fin- it's going to be some calories lost today. Because it is. You understand? I just feel like people get it twisted. People get it twisted like everybody's out here just doing what they said they're going to do. No, people are not reliable. People are not consistent. People, people do not honor your feelings. And and it's it is hurtful to me on both ends for the person that's carrying it out and the person who's being treated like eh you know a really you know how many broken people there are trying to get mended back together because somebody else broke them because they wasn't truthful and authentic like truly do you understand that do you understand that it's bigger than Oh, I can find somebody else who fills in the blank. No, you don't understand that there's only truly a very small scale of people left who just truly want to love you just to love you. That don't have no ulterior motives. Like, bro, you, you did you ever look at Kelly Clarkson's uh alimony that she got to pay? But like the way that people are going out, like Mary J. Blige, the way her ex-husband did her. It's like, yo, people, you got to kind of look after one and be like, yo, friend or fro. Like, how we doing it? Like, seriously, I don't really I'm not really you, you, you understand. Friendships, bro, I know you, you wasn't in the corner lurking like putting mascara and lashes on Judas this whole entire time. Seriously. You had Judas watching your babies. You had Judas in your car with you. You, it couldn't have been that you had Judas this close to you this whole time. And you didn't know, or is it that you just wanted, you wanted Judas to grow out of that because you saw more value in Judas. And while Judas is looking at you, like how they can make you their next come up. I need, and I keep bringing this up, I need for people to understand truly how to maneuver and navigate through life with a Judas by watching the way that Jesus treated his. But he was very clear on what Judas's role was in his life. He's going to initiate Calvary. I'm not going to get it twisted. You're not going to be closer than what you need to be. You ain't going to be in a whole bunch of scripture. I'm not making you nothing. You're going to be who you are because I understand who you are. And I'm not trying to change it because I know that you are the catalyst to my come up. But the whole entire time, Judas was looking at him like, yo, I know that I can I can make something off of you like you're going to be my come up. Yeah. But when you start to kind of have that greed and it's a demonic fuel behind that come up, I don't think you really want too much to do with that. But you know what? That's between you and the Lord. I hate that things end because people truly didn't understand the value. 
And then they go back to having a Pharaoh kind of heart. You let the Israelites go and you're like, all right, they can go. Forget it. All these plagues, like it's too much. And then when they go, you kind of have the dope. Homer Simpson kind of feel and you, you run after them the way that it says in Exodus 14. It was like when Pharaoh kind of came to him was like, bro, did I really let all those millions of free work go? Like, absolutely not. And the Bible says that he went ahead and lowered, lowered like 600 chariots and the best of the best. Yet he went that hard because he understood the value of the work he just released. And that should mean something to someone. Pharaoh went hard to get back slaves because he saw the value in them. Why do you think after you break up with, oh boy, then that's when he go hard. Like, listen, I was thinking about, oh, now you got all the emotions and the vulnerability and the communication and whatever it is that I was asking you for the whole time that I was with you. Now, miraculously, lucky charms, if you will, you have it now. And that's because realization uh, sometimes for some people comes after pain. It is, oh my gosh, she really was dope. And then what happens is if not led by God to go ahead and accept the person back, hmm, when you do take him back, instead of seeing the value, he saw that it was too easy to get you back. Yeah, like if we were able to um, go ahead and buy like, I don't know, an expensive let's just tangible item fill in the blank and then we could wait a little while like yeah I don't really want it and we can bring it back with scratches and all kind of stuff and get the same dollar amount back that we paid for it would that make you feel like it was upscale truly would you still look at it the same like I can bring it back with scratches scuffs and all kind of things, and y'all still give me back exactly what it was worth without it? The value of that thing, the value of that person is now diminished. I don't care how expensive you said it was. You just showed me that I can devalue it, but it doesn't change how much I have to pay for it. There is something about people not showing another person it's costly to mistreat me. Yeah, when you still go hard at the job like it was day one and you're burning yourself out and there's no boundaries and it's like you on call 24 hours and you, it's interrupting your sleep and it's E or the above. When you are doing that but the job is not pouring into you, then you've shown them it doesn't matter how I treat you, what I pay you, or what your hours of operation are because I get access to you and I get to abuse you whenever I want. There is a power in someone really understanding your value. Like if Beyonce's number was just on Google and she was answering everybody's phone, let's just say we can get to Beyonce right now. Like, would it really be exciting if the next person was like, I got Beyonce's phone number? Like, yeah, everybody does. There's no value in that. The fact that we don't know her phone number makes it even more of a value. The fact that when someone makes a really expensive car, but they make a limited edition. The fact that when something has more um, demand and supply, then that's what goes in. Like, I need you to understand that when you are a person of purpose, when you have a heart that wants to do right, and you are authentically 
doing what you know needs to be done, bringing honor to the seat that you carry, to the last name that you carry, to the relationships that you carry, for the people that you're responsible for. I need you to know you are a limited addition, and I don't care if no one else sees it. I don't care if Pharaoh's heart is hardened yet again to say they was going to do something for you, and then they didn't come through yet again. I need you to understand that you are the limited addition, and the one thing we do not do is just go ahead and pretend like we're in Dollar General. Yeah, you want you cannot be found in any mom pop or anything that sells something under a dollar. Okay, I need you to continue to treat yourself like the person of value that God says that you are. Do you know that the Bible says that you are a masterpiece? Hmm? Do you understand that the Bible literally says what is man? that God is so mindful of them that you put them a little bit under angels. Like when you start truly looking at, oh my gosh, like bro, I am royalty. I'm the heir of Jesus. I have some things in the heavenly realm that if I loosen it, go ahead and just ask God to go ahead and bam. Like if I started really using my words and praying the way the Bible says, if I started really moving these mountains, like the Bible says I can, when I have a face size of a mustard seed, if I really started tapping into what I need to be tapping into, like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not waiting for your vision of me to catch up. I'm going to go ahead and move with this value. I'm going to go ahead and just say you know what I'm gonna dust my feet on this situation because emotionally y'all think y'all have me somewhere but what you don't understand is that this is just building the steps to my stage and when I get there the way I'm going to perform is going to be with a delicacy and a heart that no one else could understand but someone who was undervalued like you got to start looking at situations like look I'm not regular I don't care what that supervisor said. I don't care what buddy said. It don't take years to figure out if you want to marry somebody. No, I'm not waiting to, well, you know, we have to wait for the funds to come in. Y'all can wait till the funds come in. But what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to get with God and I'm going to pinpoint and plot and plan my next steps. Because if I know nothing about God while you wait is when you truly understand the value of your wait. Waiting is not a place to just store frustrations and irritations. And God, if I can't change it, then why did you let me see it? And how come I can't do A, B, and C? You are supposed to be a student of your weight. There is something you're supposed to be studying because God is going to whisper and tap on your shoulder later in life and say, remember when you had that situation? Isn't that why we help people the way that we do? Like when you hear stories of people blessing people, what's normally connected to that blessing? They said, because I know what that feels like. There is power in walking in the shoes of a person and understanding, "Mm -mm, I understood that feeling, but now I'm in a position of power where I can go ahead and relieve you of that feeling. That's what the true blessing is. I look at the way that Shaq goes ahead and blesses people, but more importantly, I look at the way that Jesus walked life and the fact that we have a Savior who literally feels and can understand everything you've ever been through. Oh, you were betrayed by your homies? Bro, read you some of the Bible. (laughs) Oh, you had people plotting against you? Read some of the Bible. Like, there's nothing literally that you can name that you've been through that our Savior has not experienced. And I'm getting to the point that I'm starting to realize waiting and and being undervalued sometimes is uh, your biggest come up. It, it, It truly is. But but more importantly, uh, it's the mindset behind 
the value that either starts or ends the next stage of what God has for you. I wanted to go ahead and read real quick from Numbers 14, right? Because if nothing at all, the the, the Israelites going to show you what not to do. <laughs> you understand? Like, they're they going to frustrate you if you read your Bible. But they're also going to show you, like, mm, so this is classic do not do. Oh, okay, I just wanted to make sure. I want to go ahead and read Numbers 14. After the spies went out to go ahead and, you know, like, kind of do a little census on the land that God promised milk and honey and all that. Right. And when they came back and they had the reports and they were excited, it didn't quite go uh, as well as Caleb thought. Like it went differently in his head than it actually did when it was time to go ahead and, and uh, tell the people what happened. So let's just read that. So numbers 14, right? Let's start at verse one. And you know, I read in the NLT version, right? Cause we, We've been talking at this point. You shouldn't know. Okay, great. So then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night Two, Their voices rose in a great chorus of protests against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Three, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Four. Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Five. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Six. Two of the men who had explored the land Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of whatever his name is, Jephenna, mm, tore their clothing. Seven, they said to all the people of Israel, the land we travel through and explore is a wonderful land. Eight, and if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Nine, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. There are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Ten, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. Eleven, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? 12. I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a greater nation, a greater and mightier than they are. 12. I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Why couldn't God bring that group of Israelites after all the plagues and all the Red Sea and everything that he did? Why couldn't God bring that first group of Israelites to the land of milk and honey? God couldn't bring someone somewhere who didn't see the value in where they were going. And, and to be honest with you, more than any season of my life, I get it. I know like the, the Israelites, I get it. I used to always wonder, what do you mean? Oh, but with Egypt, but I realized that 
they weren't so Egyptian minded in that I always used to coin it Egyptian minded, meaning that they know no better. It was like poor living kind of thing. But I can see that the Israelites weren't risk takers. And so they formulated a terrible end in their minds, right? Like literally go back to three. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? They concluded death, rebuke in the name of Jesus, their loved ones, their wives, their children being carried off and going to somewhere that will probably be terrible for them. And so they concluded where God was taking them was going to be terrible. And so the only thing they had to fall back on was comparing where they was. And so they went ahead and said, you know what? Let's go back to safety. Because in their mind, they didn't have to be worried about dying in battle because they didn't have to fight. They didn't have to be worried about their wives and their children being separated or being carried off as plunder because that wasn't an issue there. So they went ahead and formulated a scarier future than the stagnant past that they had. And when they had to value or measure between the two, the past one. Isn't that what people do when they finally get out of terrible relationships? They then go ahead and start to make the dating scene scary and nobody's going to want them. And yeah, but you know what they made? They just probably better off by themselves. But then you know what? And they make this future so scary that, yeah, oh boy does seem like a prize now. Yeah, oh girl does seem like maybe she wasn't that bad. She only gets like that when she gets angry or when she feels like, you know, a little bit emotional that time of the month. And then you start making excuses for your past because the future that you articulated and envisioned in your mind is way different from what God has has for you and so now unfortunately God has to allow you to go back to Egypt not physically uh but um emotionally and mentally like he literally had to say if that's how you envision that then I can't take you where I have what I have for you I can't take you there I always wondered why in the Bible um God told Adam and Eve, like, if you eat that, you will surely die. And then once they ate from that tree, they didn't die, but they did die because anything that is absent from the Lord is a death. Maybe that's why when the Bible goes ahead and tells us to be absent in the, is to be present with, is to be present with the Lord. But what, wait, but they're not on earth no more yet, but they're present with the Lord. So they're still living so when God shunned Adam and Eve from Eden, that was your death. Rebuke in the name of Jesus. That was their death because they were absent from the Lord, but still present in their body. That was the opposite. Hmm. That was just a little nugget right there. The Holy Spirit just dropped on me. But when I looked at this, I said, anyone that looks at their past and says that was better has already forfeited the future that God has for them. And I think if we're honest, we all have that. Like when you really start trying to get that courage to leave that job, you start looking at all the things like, well, I do. I don't want to learn something new. And you start to go ahead and formulate an Egyptian mindset 
Anything that makes your past more palatable than God's promise, then you have become Egyptian mindset. You have a mindset of Egyptian. I need you to understand the first group of Israelites that did that. God couldn't do nothing with them. And there's something about not understanding that in order for me to get to my next level, I have to understand the value. And I have to understand that if God's going through all this to get me there, then where I'm going is not regular. Yeah, if God's going through all the trouble to keep you single, I need you to understand that that the person they're going to bring to you, your spouse in the future, it's not going to be regular. (laughs) If God's going through all this to let all the applications just kind of like skirt, like they literally feel like they're playing dodgeball with it. If God is going through all the trouble to make sure that he puts a blind eye on whatever the recruiter's going through to make sure they do not see, then I need you to understand that where you're going is not regular, but There's something that goes with that. If it's not regular, then you got to think a way that you never thought before. You have to start seeing things the way you never saw them before. You have to start listening to stuff that you never listened to before. Because I don't understand how um, Caleb and Joshua was championing them and they still heard death, murder, mayhem, plunder, battle. What did you hear? That you still were like, mm, yeah, no, because we need to go ahead and just be done. Like, literally, he was like, bro, you don't have to be afraid with of them. God is with us. And they were like, yeah, so let's kill them and go back to Egypt. To the point that when someone goes ahead and tries to pacify your fear so that you can get to your promise, you still hear something different? Yeah, um, that's a stronghold. And I think that's why at the end God was like, okay, so nothing else can be done. After all that I've done, after all that I've shown you, after the seed, all the miracles, I even had Joshua and Caleb go out there, give you a report. So there's nothing that can override your mindset. Then you're going to have to be buried with that mindset. If I could create this whole paradise, give you everything you ever needed, let you have all the access to me, I'm walking with you cooler today, and I just tell you do not eat from that one particular fruit tree, and you were like, oh, okay, I'm going to eat from that one particular, then you know what? You're going to have to be buried with that mindset. There are certain mindsets that even God can't override, and it's just like, you know what? I had the best for you, but I can't do it through you, so I got to do it, do it through someone else. Joshua, you're up next. Please don't be the person that you see God's promise as something that's regular. Please don't see the things in front of you. Then less value than what God, don't undervalue what God placed in front of you. And if he's currently seating you in a position where you're witnessing that, keep notes of that. Because you are going to be able to bless someone out of that level of stagnation. But even if you can't, just make sure that person's not you. Like truly and truly, I need, what's the challenge? Okay, the challenge is whatever value that God originally told you about that particular future item, that spouse, that relationship, that generational curse you want to break, that whatever it is that's on your heart, keep that same energy, keep that same value because there's going to be other people who see it, who hear it, and they're going to undervalue it, but it's okay because they're not going with you anyway. 
Do not lose that energy. The price just went up. Do you understand? Okay. All right, but listen, uh, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? Good. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person's going to have with you, but who? Your favorite homegirl. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. I got to start cooking anyway. I just totally got on the phone and lost track of time. But um, we'll talk later. Okay, later. Oh, wait, before you go, uh, let me go ahead and just remind you again that you need to be looking at creative to multiply.com. Very much created the number two multiply.com. Oh, and you know, your girl got a Patreon now, right? Mm hmm. When you go to the website, you'll see all of that. So very much go. Okay. Now I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go later.